Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. There is one greater than you, greater than me, greater than any of us who is filled with wisdom surrounded in holiness who is the essence of goodness and it is our blessed calling to live in complete submission to this one who is perfectly holy perfectly righteous when we think we know what the right thing is he, he knows what the right thing is and so our, our journey is, is to learn to live in that complete submission and dependence upon the one. So let's worship the one. (laughs) There is a five-year-old once that said, I heard God breathing. And the power was in his breathing. As a five-year-old, our daughter was babysitting. And he said that one day. When we were worshiping and we quieted down. I could hear God breathing. So... uh Today and uh, a few weeks ago, we have a few people from our community who are over at Living Water uh, being the prayer team and helping to raise up a prayer team for Living Water. Uh, And uh, I talked to Jason and... uh, I'm going to go ahead and do a a Ministry of Jesus class, which is our sort of introduction to ministering to people in in the power of the Holy Spirit with their people before they launch and go weekly. And so if if anybody here uh, would like to go through that class or... uh, haven't been through it yet um, that would be a, a great opportunity it's yeah it's just a, like a three hour class uh, we haven't scheduled it yet but it'll be sometime between now and the end of August so they can have it done before they launch in September Likely on a Saturday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And also, uh, I got a call from Hope Church in Casper this week, and uh, they have a team coming to Cheyenne to do an outreach on Saturday the 28th for Frontier Days. And they've invited us to participate with them. I I think it's a great opportunity. Uh, So I'm going to tell them, yeah, we we would like to do that. And as many of you as uh, can can do it, uh, I'll have more details for you next week. But it will be Saturday the 28th. And uh, I think we'll, we'll probably also invite... Jason and uh, some of his team to participate as well and give them a, a little taste of a uh, different kind of outreach. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 think, uh, I think we should. And it looks like 420 Fire is, is going to start meeting here uh, maybe as early as this coming Friday. Uh, and probably up in the library, uh, <clears throat> which is where you come in the doors over on this side where we have prayer on Wednesday nights. Uh, so that will be here as well. Any other announcements, Lynn? Well, yeah, yeah. I was reading this devotional this morning, and it really touched me, and I thought it might touch you guys, too. It's uh, devotional. The devotional is a fresh infusion of joy. The blacksmith placed that iron into the fire. Once it was glowing red hot, he used his tongs to remove it, and he struck it repeatedly with a hammer. Then back into the fire until glowing. Countless blows from the hammer only to return to the fire once more. Fire hammer, fire hammer. The blacksmith did this again and again until at last his work was complete. From a shapeless piece of iron he had fashioned a perfect horseshoe. I love this image because it it so perfectly captures the work God does to mold our character and make us more like Jesus. That message certainly seems to be what James was communicating in the first few verses of his book. James wrote to the Christians who were going through difficult times, and he had a radical message for them. He told his readers to consider their trials pure joy, because the fire of adversity was the very tool God used to forge perseverance in their lives. Most of us are familiar with the word perseverance. Maybe it makes you think of someone who keeps going on. even when the path gets rough, or someone who stays on their diet all the way through the holidays. Both examples do show perseverance, but, but the Greek gives us a little more insight. In the original language of James 1, 3, the word translated perseverance means cheerful or hopeful endurance consistency. It is one thing to keep going on matters no matter what, it is something far more beautiful to do so cheerfully and hopefully. Are you going through a hard time today? You can safely trust that even through the fire of adversity, even though the fire of adversity is hot, your loving Savior holds you securely in his hand. 
He will be forever faithful to his work in your heart, endeavoring to bring forth cheerful, hopeful endurance in you. Well, this week uh, we were praying for Charlie and Eric. So, who has a word for one of those guys? Charlie, um, I've got a sense that you're coming out of a season that's been painful and lonely and uh, difficult. There's been a lot of rejection. Those are things that I kind of know about you, just from personal experience, from personal sharing with me. But there's a new season coming, and that season is a season of love, and joy, acceptance. Hmm. So, Charlie. Many people don't uh, really understand, unfortunately, that a huge part of the Christian life is managing our heart. And something that the Lord always wants to do is heal our heart. But in order for that to happen, we have to give them access to, to the heart. And uh, what I feel like he's saying is he's done more healing in your heart than you know. recognize but he still wants you to give him access to a little more because there's more that he wants to do and, and stop wondering whether he has a place for you that's settled and as you give him access you're going to be blown away with the healing that is still yet to come Eric and Charlie when I was praying for you guys this week, I, it just amazed me how similar I think your character is. That you're men that don't stand up in front and address a whole audience, but your lives speak volumes. When people around you are not righteous, you remain righteous, solid, men of godly character. And I think God's word to you is, I see you. I see you. I see your heart. I see your motives. When you do the work you do, when you treat people the way they should be treated, 
the way you love your families. I see that. That blesses me. And I have a couple of verses. One is in Isaiah. Isaiah 50, verse 7. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be put to shame. So no matter what else is going around you, that's you guys. You set your face towards the Lord and do what is right. And then Hebrews 12, 7, it talks about how God disciplines us because he treats us as children, and that's a good thing. But in our daughter's little kid's Bible, the way it read was, put up with hard times. I'm using them to train you. And I guess my paraphrase would be, keep going and keep your heart clean. I'm shaping you. So God would say. Charlie, I feel God wants you, the phrase I always get, let go and let God. You like to be in control. He says, let it go. And the verse I have is Psalm 73, 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and the por my portion forever. I got the word anchor for you. You're an anchor for your family, a lot of friends, people around you, people you meet. But God also wants you more of you. And the verse I have for you is Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I'm God. I have um, the same thing for both of you. Um, I see growth. And the Lord is very pleased. And he says, seek me while I may be found. Charlie, what I saw for you was a, uh, a beautiful spring of very drinkable, very good water, life-giving water. But a cork had been put in the spring. And you are that spring, and you put a cork in it for some reason. And God says it's time to pull the cork out because you have a lot of life to give to people. And, Eric, for you, I saw you in all the different roles you play, friends, father, husband, provider, all those things. But the biggest one I saw was you being the priest of your house. And you do everything well. But God wants you to focus more on that priesthood because that will set an example for your kids that will go on and go on and go on because you'll show your sons how to be a godly man and you'll show your daughter what a godly man looks like. Yeah, and you and I are on the same page, I guess. <coughs> know you very well, but while I was praying for you, the Lord showed me that, um, like Daniel said, you're, you're a good dad. I have it on good authority. You're a wonderful husband. <laughs> I'm the woman who knows. <laughs> but um, the Lord said that in, the, in your growing, in your family, and in your being a dad in your family, he's going to show you the Father's love for you and how much he loves you and how to 
be more, having more of an even impact on your children because of how he loves you. And he's going to open that up to you. It's going to go deeper, deeper than you know God now. And um, it'll blow you out of the water and you'll just walk around with a big old fat smile on your face because you'll just be so overwhelmed by his love for you. So it's a good thing. It's a really good thing. But that's coming to you. And um, it's a s slow growth, but it's a good growth. Charles. I love you, little brother. You know I do. And as I was praying for you, the Lord kept putting on my heart the same thing that I shared with you at, the, at my house when we were prophesying with one another about um, the future and what you're supposed to be looking toward. Not many people have an entrepreneurial gift. I do not have one. Not many people can govern people. Not many people can um, oversee things and build things. And you are a builder. You have always been a builder. You build um, relationships. You build, you build all kinds of things with tenacity. And uh, very, very carefully. And the Lord has said that He's going to put you in, in position over many people to build uh, new things. I'm not real sure if that's in the physical or in the spiritual. I have no idea what that means. But I know that it's because he's created you the way he has. You see things many people don't. You keep your heart pure in that. And you have a very keen uh, perspective that many people lose. And you, you don't waver from that. You, you keep that um, uh, your eye on the prize, your eye on the ball. But uh, God's going to use that in many, many different ways. And it's not about you, but he's going to use you. He's going to bless you. It's going to be good. Um, Eric, I don't know you very well myself, but um, obviously the people here have accepted you with full armed and... I wish you happiness and harmony, and, um, and definitely there's prayer in the house. Um, Charlie, one of the things that I was attracted to Charlie was our first date out at Outback, and the power of prayer, he prayed before we were eating, and I just was in awe over that because that was a man I was looking for, was to know that he can be public, he can be in public, and he had the, just the, the wisdom to know how to pray in front of people, and things that I love about Charlie. And um, a verse that I came up to was um, Colossians 1, 9 through 10. So we do not stop praying for you, for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the day you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All in while, you will grow with us. You will grow as you learn to know God better and better. And we all have our little things in life that we all kind of fall short of. And he has a good heart and he has everything that I look forward to. And you're a wonderful leader. And I truly believe that because that's fun here. And Charlie has a secret. He hasn't told anybody, but I'm going to blab it out. 
He has an amazing, fantastic voice. <laughs> and I really wish you could share it with you someday. That's my prayer. Eric, what I got for you is that you're you're also yeah transition from a season of struggle or difficulty to a season where God's establishing you, your business is going to be established and will become well-known in this community. And as you are established, I have a sense that God's going to bring young men to you whom you can establish. You can mentor the younger men and give them an example of what a godly work ethic is and be a role model to them and equip them with the skills that God's given you. If I'm not mistaken, you're just over the age of the millennial generation. But I think many of those people that are going to come to you are going to be in that millennial generation. So there's going to be a transfer of anointing from you to them. So what I have for you, Eric, kind of goes along with what Arnie was saying. Uh, the Lord gave me just uh, a couple scriptures for you. That uh, a man chooses his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So let the Lord direct your steps. Uh, Learn to hear with your spirit more than with your ears or your mind. Because the Lord also says, I am the Lord, your provider. I just lost it. 
sure it'll come to me. <laughs> Eric, I have a scripture, Psalms 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. So, a lot of the fulfillment of what Arnie was saying uh, relates, relates to the, the walk of faith which is hearing God in your gut and then being convinced that that is the way and, and going that way. Because it, it's faith in God that releases the resources of heaven. It's not need. If, if need released the resources of heaven, Ethiopia would be the wealthiest place on earth. Uh, it doesn't happen. It's, it's faith that releases the resources of heaven to earth. So it's, it's that walk of faith, having your steps directed uh, by the Lord, that is going to release that provision that's going to release you into the things that that Arnie was was saying. Thanks, Arnie. Um, it, it's, uh, it's in Psalms 55, 22, and it just says, When those times come, cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. So as we go through times, there are times of a burden and struggle, but we are going to cast our cares upon him because we, he will never fail us. And... Um, God shall set forth his mercy and his truth. He shall set forth his mercy and his truth. So I, I just thank the Lord for both of you and um, for your walk with the Lord. And uh, I just uh, I love you both. You know that. Thank you. Well, praise the Lord. We are. Mm -hmm. We are growing. We're learning. So, I um, was asked if I could share a few things from the conference and what uh, what God released in the conference that Bev and I went to in the middle of June. 
Yeah, it was true. <laughs> um, so for those who don't know, Bev and I went down to Colorado Springs to an Appeal to Heaven conference. This one was titled Forward. Um, there were several folks there, Dutch Sheets, Chuck Pierce, Lou Engel, Tim Sheets, um, all kinds of other folks that I don't even remember their names. Um, one that I really loved was Jim Hodges. He's uh, He's got to be in the 70s, if not even older. Um, but he is an apostle. In fact, he's Dutch Sheets' apostle. And Dutch himself is an apostle. Um, but for the last 40 years or so, Jim has been fathering Dutch. So now... Jim Hodges has spiritual grandsons who are, well, one of them spoke at the conference. I can't remember his name offhand. Um, so before we get into that, um, let's just come to the Lord and ask him to open our hearts and minds. Father, I just ask that you would speak to us. Lord, I ask that you'd speak through me. But Holy Spirit, we want your revelation. We ask that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would come and and lead each of us into the truth. Father, I pray that you would say things to us that I didn't say today, that you're speaking. So Lord, we ask you to have your way this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin this time by sharing something that Dutch himself wrote a few days after the conference. Um, it's on his website, DutchSheets.org, on a, on a topic called My Thoughts Regarding the Forward Conference 2018. There are moments in history that truly must be seized, seasons in which business as usual would be worse than disappointing. It would be disastrous. We are in such a time. As we launch into this new era, it has become increasingly obvious to me that we are moving into one of the greatest opportunities in church history. My reasons for this belief? For the first time in many centuries, the church will be able to function in all of the five gifts and anointings Christ gave her. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And as this important passage, Ephesians 4, goes on to say, through these gifts we will be able to reveal the fullness of Christ. Also, we have entered a season where Holy Spirit has restored to us the true meaning of ecclesia, the church. A remnant of the body of Christ has come to understand that the ecclesia is Christ's kingdom government on earth, entrusted with his authority, and commissioned to legislate his will. As such, these believers are no longer content to function only as fellowships, congregations, or families. They insist on also functioning as extenders of Christ's kingdom. And lastly, the Lord of the harvest has prepared the fields. 
desperate conditions, despot rulers, and mass disillusionment have caused tribes and nations to become ripe for change. The aligning of these three areas, Christ's gifts, a revelation of his, of his authority in the church, and a prepared earth, is about to produce a critical mass leading to explosive harvest and reformative change. I could talk for a while about some of those things if I had been more prepared, but there's uh, another area I want to move into. It's, it has to do with the harvest. Lou Engel was the second speaker that we got to hear. Um, and he said, I was taking some excerpts from what he said, there is a massive shift coming to America. We are in a season of great transition. When the whirlwind of prophecy begins to break out, you can know that something is shifting in eras. Jesus, the evangelist, is coming to America. The mantle of Billy Graham is coming on a whole generation. We are in a moment of the Luke 4.18 anointing. Just a reminder of what Luke 4.18 says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So if we're in a Luke 4.18 moment, that means that the anointing to preach the gospel is coming on the church. Dutch Sheets has just written a new book called Giants Will Fall. And in that book, Dutch says, the church is moving into a new era. We will soon experience our finest and most productive season of harvesting souls. I believe we, the body of Christ, will see at least a billion souls saved in the next 10 to 20 years. And it comes to mind that somebody at the conference said that during the, the next generation, or in the next decade, from 2020 to 2030, we're going to see a great deal happen. At least a billion souls saved in the next 10 to 20 years, perhaps more than have been saved in the previous 2,000. Portions of the earth that have been ruled by evil spiritual giants will be liberated. Evil forces have ruled some regions since Adam's fall, but there is a holy invasion about to occur. A release of Caleb-hearted, fearless warriors who will thrill at the thought of conquering cities for Christ. In the prayer movement, we have a distinct role to play in birthing this new era. All that God does on earth is birthed through his intercessors. The goal of this book is to bring understanding of your weapons, to strengthen your faith regarding knocking out spiritual giants, and to give instruction on how to do this. The praying church is about to step into its highest authority and its greatest history writing role.
I'll come back to the concept of authority in a few minutes here, but going back to what Dutch put on his website for a moment, after observing what he had seen during the Ford Conference in Colorado Springs, he says, now as I pray, I believe Holy Spirit is saying it's time to put on the boxing gloves of Everlast and Evergreen. Does that ring a bell with anybody? Does anybody know what we're talking about? I see some deer in the headlights look, so I'll try to give you a, a real brief synopsis just from memory. Everlast is a reference to the everlasting God. Um, in fact, Dutch mentioned at the conference, um, what's that song? The everlasting God. I can't remember how the hell the whole song goes, but Dutch feels that that song may have even been written for him um, because it's such a meaningful song to him. But the everlasting God, yeah, yeah, the song is called that. Okay, evergreen, there's a verse in Genesis, I believe, where Abraham is talking to the everlasting God. And he uses a name there that has never been used in Scripture up to that point, because we're early in Scripture, but um, Olam El, I believe it is, the everlasting God. And some things about the everlasting God are that he lives outside of time. So he was before time, he will be after time, and he's not currently within time, he just oversees it. He can go back into history and change not what was done, but can bring healing to what was done. So when God, Olam El, looks at our lives and there are things that we would be troubled by when we think about Abraham the man who lied to kings and said that his wife was his sister so they wouldn't kill him and take her as their wives that had to be awkward I can't quite imagine how my wife would respond to that if I'd done that to her. <laughs> yeah. So, God was able to bring healing to that. When God looks at America and he sees some of the sin of America, slavery, abortion, currently homosexuality. God can bring healing to all of that. But in the same verse where Abraham is referring to God and interacting with God as Olam El, he plants, I believe it's a tamarisk tree, which is an evergreen tree. And that's where this term evergreen is coming from. 
The thing about an, a tamarisk tree is it's a very slow-growing tree. In fact, you wouldn't plant one so you could enjoy it. Because it's not going to happen in your lifetime. So it's a covenant with the coming generations. Okay? So it's also a covenant with the generations preceding us. So when we enter into God's covenant with everlasting the everlasting God, we can begin knocking out spiritual giants that have ruled our nation. And Dutch goes into explaining, explaining both of those things in these two books, Appeal to Heaven and Giants Will Fall. Okay, Dutch goes on, We contended for and experienced the turnaround in the June 2018 conference. Holy Spirit released strategy to move forward. He is now saying it is time to go after the giants. Numerous Goliaths have mocked God and opposed his purposes for America. But just as he did through the little shepherd boy, David, God will have the last word. Join me as together we write history for the king. Our next Appeal to Heaven gathering will be October 11th through the 13th in 2018 in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I'll be joined by Chuck Pierce, Lou Engel, Tim Sheets, Will Ford, Matt Lockett, and others as we battle for the destiny of our nation. Somebody at the conference observed, these are more than events. An event is merely something that occurs on a specific date within a certain time parameter and certain things happen. But what we're doing is eventful. It's making a difference. It's bringing change. So, that's a brief summary of some of the highlights of the conference. But honestly, one of the things that has uh, been a challenge to me, how many of you read the, the uh, Give Him 15 emails every day? I don't see many raised hands. <laughs> okay. You really ought to. Um, given 15. I would suggest going to dutchsheets.org and see if there's not a way to sign up. I can't, it's been so long since I started getting them. I can't remember how I... One of the things that happens in those emails every day is they end with a decree. That's not something I was familiar with or comfortable with. So I want to talk to you a little bit about... Do I need to move? Um, I want to talk to you about the authority to decree. Dutch says, A remnant of the body of Christ has come to understand that the ecclesia is Christ's kingdom government on earth. 
entrusted with his authority and commissioned to legislate his will. As sons and daughters of the Most High God, we have been entrusted with his authority to bring his will to pass. One of the ways in which we do that is through speaking decrees. In the Old Testament, we often see kings issuing decrees. They declare what they want to see happen, and because they have the authority and the power, the financial resources, whatever it takes to make it happen, they see that it happens. Now, we know that Jesus is our king, and that he has all authority and power to do whatever he pleases. Psalm 47, verse 7 says, God is the king of all the earth. All the earth. One thing I've been thinking a lot about lately is that we have such a low view of God in the church today. God is uh, somebody we take out of our whatever. You know, it's like we treat God like a, a genie. Take him out of the, we rub the lamp and the genie shows up. You know, and then we tell him what we want our wishes to be fulfilled. Wrong. He's not a genie. He's the king of all the earth. In Luke, I'm sorry, in Revelation 19, 8, 16, it says that Jesus is the king of kings and lord of lords. When he brought us into his family, we became part of his royal family. In fact, in Revelation 1.6, it says that Jesus has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. He has made us kings. We who are the church or ecclesia have been more familiar and comfortable with our role as intercessors, as priests, rather than as kings. And we're familiar with 1 Peter 2.9. It tells us that we're a chosen generation and a royal priesthood. We're pretty comfortable with the idea that we're priests. We understand that as Christ's priestly intercessors, we represent the needs of people to God. In his name, we petition heaven on behalf of them, asking for God's mercy, forgiveness, and provision. But as members of Christ's body and extensions of him, the head, we are partakers of his king-priest ministry. Jesus is both king and priest. And he ministers in both roles. Dutch writes this. Priests represented the needs of people to God, while kings represented the rule of God to people. Priests presented the needs and requests of humankind to heaven, while through laws, decrees, and righteous judgments, Kings presented heaven's rule to earth. Priests request. Kings command and decree. Priests pray. Kings rule. 
Priests operate in humility, kings in boldness. We must function in both aspects of these callings, just as Christ does. David, though a great worshiper and intercessor, wasn't modeling priestly activity when he faced Goliath. He was demonstrating kingly authority. I want to read you 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 45 to 47. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. David was issuing a decree. There's no record here of David praying and asking for the Lord's help. Maybe he did before he made this declaration, and it's just not recorded. We don't know that. But what we do have a record of, that he decreed or declared what he believed God was going to do. When David was doing this, He was applying what it says in Job 22, verse 28. Interesting, I don't know whether Job or David knew Job or not. No one had read, had read what Job said. But Job said, You will also decree a thing, and it will be established for you, and light will shine on your ways. I shouldn't say Job said that. I would suspect God said that in the book of Job. Again, you will also decree a thing, and it will be established for you, and light will shine on your ways. I don't want to get lost in the weeds here, but I want to point out that different translations use different words for decree. I believe the King James and the New American Standard both say decree. The New King James and the Modern English Version both say, declare. The English Standard Version and the NIV both say, decide. Now there is a point at which we need to decide whether or not we're going to say what God said. That's the most credence I can give to those latter two translations in that particular verse. I think they're wrong. Okay? If you read the New Living Translation, it's even worse. I love the New Living Translation in many places. But I'm just telling you, we need to be careful when we come to the Word of God and make sure 
and we're comparing translations and we're to whatever extent we can going back and looking at the original languages to make sure that we're getting the right understanding of things. And I want to get into the subject of where do we get the authority to make a decree? The first thing I'll point out is that our authority is rooted in our identity. If we truly believe that Jesus has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, we will operate in authority as kings. But we need to remember that Paul told us, 2 Corinthians 5.20, that we are ambassadors for Christ. In other words, we represent him. We represent the king. We're not the king. We may be kings, but we're not the king. So when we issue a decree, we speak what our king has told us to decree. Because we have no authority unless we are under authority. Even Jesus said, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. So Jesus received commands as to what to say. If we make a decree on our own authority, it will not accomplish anything. But when we receive a command from the Father to speak a decree, His power and authority will cause it to happen. Another key to speaking God's decrees is found in John 5.30, where Jesus said, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the, the will of the Father who sent me. Our decrees must declare the will of the Father, not our own will. Any decree we speak in our own power without the leading and empowering of the Holy Spirit will have no power. A third key is found in John 8, 29. Jesus said, He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please Him. If we desire to please Him rather than ourselves, we will more easily discern the Father's will. Any decree we speak should please the Father, not ourselves. The fourth key I'll give you this morning is found in John 5.19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. If the source of our decrees are ourselves rather than the Father, they will have no power and they will not come to pass. Now the desire to please the Father and to allow Him to be the one who is the source 
This relates to what we've been learning about the crucified life. Bringing the self-life to the point of death. So that the Spirit of God within us can live. Romans 12.6 says that we should prophesy in proportion to our faith. A decree is a prophetic declaration. So we should also make decrees in proportion to our faith. When we're fully persuaded that we've heard the Father, our faith will be strong. If you're thinking, I'm not a prophet, I want to remind you of what Jesus said in John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. So if you are one of his sheep, you hear his voice. Further, Jesus says in John 15, 15, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. That statement deserves some meditation. All things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Jesus wants us to be his friends and he wants to make known to us all things that he has heard from the Father. I believe the fivefold gifts are coming into greater and greater prominence. But the only way that happens is if we allow God to move us into whatever he calls us to do and to be. There are those who seek a title but bear no gift. They don't have the marks of an apostle but they call themselves apostles. They call themselves a prophet, but all they do is repeat what other prophets have said. But at the same time, the genuine, the real gifting, needs to arise. So, I'm praying that God will do that. In Cheyenne, I'm praying that God will raise up true apostles, true prophets, true evangelists, true pastors and true teachers who will lead the body of Christ into what God has for us. So God's calling people to be prophets. That may or may not be you, but you are called to prophesy. First Corinthians 14 tells us we can all prophesy. Because again, my sheep hear my voice. And God's calling people to become prophets because he wants them to declare his word. 
And here's a promise to those who are prophets. In Amos chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. So when God's about to do something, he tells his prophets what he's going to do. But when you hear that, you can make it a creed. close with Isaiah 55 verse 11. God says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. When you make a decree that's spirit-led and spirit-anointed and spirit-empowered, that is what will happen. I want to share a decree from the recent Given 15 emails. On the 5th, it was titled, Loosing the Fiery Evangelists. There's a lot to this. It's two pages long, but I'll just read you one sentence. Today's decree is that the fiery evangelists are being loosed into the harvest. On the 7th, the title of the email was The Prophesied Day Has Come. The decree is the day of the harvest and the outpouring of Holy Spirit power has come to America. I just want to comment on that. If we believe that, then we receive that. It can happen. If our hearts are hard and we reject the word, we may not see it happen. Today's email has to do with President Trump's nomination of a new Supreme Court justice. Tomorrow, President Trump is supposed to announce that. And we've been praying for some time now that the right person would be nominated or would be, yeah, nominated. So today's decree is God's perfect choice for the Supreme Court will be appointed today. Now, those are just some examples of decrees relevant to what Dutch has been putting out. We need to learn to listen. 
and discern what the Spirit is saying. When we do, we can walk in the authority that Jesus gave the ecclesia. Jesus said, Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Those keys are authority to unlock God's promises and God's words. I hope this has been helpful to understand a little more about what decrees are and how we can get to a point of being able to, to make a decree. I'm still growing and learning. I'm far from... You know, I, I looked at some biblical examples of decrees. Amazing things that were decreed in Scripture. I won't go there, but when we speak a decree and God's behind it, the power of God's word can bring it to pass. One example I will share with you is a story from Dutch Sheets. He was asked to pray for a little baby who had had a difficult delivery and the obstetrician had had to use forceps to bring the child out and it fractured the child's skull. Dutch was led by the spirit to make a decree that this child would be healed and instantaneously the child was healed. The next week the mother I believe was baptized. Okay? So there's power in the Word of God if we learn to receive the Word of God and grow in our faith to be able to deliver it so that God can work through it. That's the point of what I'm trying to say. Any questions? <laughs> I would just add a couple scriptures to uh, what you'd already shared, Arnie. Uh, as we're all familiar with the Great Commission in Matthew 28, where Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And because of that, you can go <laughs> into all the world and preach the gospel. And because of that, we can make declarations. And I, I believe this 
sort of enigmatic verse in First John has to do with what you've been talking about. Where John, in writing this letter, he says, as he is Christ Jesus, so are we in this world. And I, I think that verse is the key to the authority of the ecclesia on, on the earth. Because as he is, is King of Kings and, and Lord of Lords, the one who rules over all of creation right now from the place of prayer because he's always interceding for us. And so when when the king wants to declare something on the earth through us, we as he is, so are we on the earth. He he can declare anything he wants to on the earth and it will happen. Just like creation. As we know, Christ Jesus was the agent of creation. Without him, nothing was created that was created. And he was in the beginning with the Father at at creation. So I, I think this is an area that we need to grow in and grow into. So thanks. With the decrees and the authority, some of the decrees, we don't have anything to do. Like the appointment of a Supreme Court justice. All we do is pray. But some of the decrees, in order for that authority to take place, we have to actually step out and do something. So in the days of old, when a king wanted something built, he put a guy in charge and the decree was, hey, build this for me. Well, that guy had whatever authority he needed to get that project done. If God's saying he's releasing the Holy Spirit on the earth, well, guess what? It's our job to release it. So we got to go out and start doing something to get the Holy Spirit released. We have that authority. And so if we truly believe the decrees, then there has to be an action on our part. In a lot of them. make one quick announcement if we're done. Um, early voting started Friday and, uh, and it's August 21st is the primary. So here's my announcement. If you go to the Laramie County Clerk and Quarters website you can print your own sample ballot so that you'll know who is running for what offices in your particular, I mean, it's your address. You know, you, you can tell you who you're, if you're in the city, what city council ward you're in, who's running for those offices, and who's running for county commissioner, and, you know, which senate district or house district you're in, uh, all those kinds of things. And so you'll be able to look through this and decide ahead of time 
and maybe do some research. Right. And I don't want to take Sunday morning time for this purpose, but um, I would be happy to talk to you, anybody that has questions about candidates. Not that I know everything, but there are a few races that I do have some strong opinions about. Um, anyway, I just encourage you to be informed voters and uh, go on the Lane County Clerk and Recorder's website to find out who's running for what. <clears throat> Sorry, clerk and recorder. Yeah, it's the elections department specifically that you want to look for. And I, I can't remember exactly how it works, but it'll be pretty obvious. You can, yeah, they'll, you'll find a way easily to um, get to your uh, sample ballot. Anybody have anything else? Father, we do thank you that you rule. You are the king. God, we pray that you teach us. Even now. To rule with you. As we will during the morning. Teach us, Lord, to walk in the authority that you give us. Help us to understand how we can be change agents to bring your kingdom, to bring your will, to see the harvest begin. Lord, we do lift up President Trump and the person that he's going to call perhaps today. Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus that you would prepare that person to receive this nomination, not from Donald Trump, but from you. We want your choice, Lord. We want a person on the Supreme Court that will rule according to law, according to the Constitution, in line with the values that, and principles that made this nation what it was. So, Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you provide such a person. We, prepare, we pray that you would protect them from the onslaught of the enemy that will come against them. Father, I pray that this person that's being selected would be so good, so appropriate, that anyone who opposes them would look foolish. Father, we ask that your will would be done in this matter, that you could restore righteousness to this nation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
pray that President Trump would not be swayed uh, away from the person that God has selected and, and put on his heart uh, in, in the next 24 hours. we done you yet, Phil? I don't think so. Is there anybody else we haven't done? Chris. Okay. <laughs> so next week, we will prophesy over Phil and Chris. Great. Right. <laughs>